0: Today on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's in the book of Mark, chapter 6 of verse 47, with part 2 of a message titled, Big Waves and Hard Hearts. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Will God give me any more than I can handle? Well, ask the disciples about this storm when you get into heaven. Ask Moses if the Israelites were more than he could handle. Ask Gideon if 300 men against thousands was more than he could handle. Ask the Apostle Paul if the beatings and the shipwrecks that he faced was more than he could handle. Do you understand, folks, this is something that's become a sanctified saying in the Christian church, and it's just absolutely false. God will often give you more than you can handle, so you you will give the handle of your life to him. That's the whole Bible tells this story. The whole Bible tells, really says to us that when you come to the end of yourself, that's when God begins. When you stop trying to do it on your own. You say, well, that, but that makes me feel weak. Well, whose power you want, yours or God's? Look, you can still be a man, but you're gonna have additional power from your creator. And I think that's a pretty awesome thing, personally. And so when it was evening, Mark six forty-seven, the boat was in the midst of the sea, and he was alone on the land. And seeing them, mark that in your Bibles, Mark 6, 48, he saw them, seeing them straining at the oars, for the wind was against them. At about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, and this is (laughs) quite a statement, and he intended to pass by them. All right, let's park there for a second. It's night, he sees them in the midst of the sea, he's alone on the land praying, We already saw that. They're straining at the oars. The word straining is quite a word in Greek. It's batsenizo. It's a word that literally means in Greek to torture and to test. Here's the literal rendering. To test by rubbing on the touchstone. Listen to this from one Greek lexicon. It's a word that means to test metals by the touchstone, which is a black siliceous stone used to test the purity of gold or silver by the color of the streak produced on it by rubbing it with either metal. That's what God was doing. And they were straining at the oars. And since it was the fourth watch of the night that Jesus came, he let them strain at the oars for six to eight hours. That's a long time. And they were straining and they were fighting against the wind. And many of them, maybe like ancient Israel, were saying something like this, let's turn back. I don't know what the discussion was like in those six to eight hours, but you could imagine it was a whole plethora of discussion, including this, where is he? He said, let's go over to the other side. He stayed behind. We're in the storm. What's going on? You ever been there before? God, where are you? Well, he saw what they were going through. They were never out of his sight, and neither are you. But when I'm going through storms, man, sometimes I feel all alone. John 6:18 says the the sea began to be stirred up, a strong wind was blowing in a parallel account. Matthew 14:24 says the boat was being battered by the waves, the wind was contrary against the wind. <laughs> That's how life feels oftentimes. Beat up, things are stirred up and we're like, "Lord, let's be honest, where are you?" Where are you? In fact, it would appear from the fourth watch of the night uh, language, which if you look back at verse uh, 48, it says, he saw them straining at the oars and at about the fourth watch of the night, that's just for your notes, 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. That's a long night after not getting rest because the people ran ahead of them and they had no time to rest and now it's 3 Four, five, maybe six in the morning. And they're done. They're done. Exhausted, poured out, question marks looming. You've probably been there before. I can't row one more inch. I'm done. Where are you? One writer says The very waves that distressed them became the path of his feet. So transcending was his power. His feet upon the waves bespoke his familiarity with their plight. He not only sees, but he enters into the human struggle. In fact, he will walk upon the waves. And get out of your mind some placid ocean where Jesus is walking on a clear, glassy lake. That's not the picture here. The waves are huge. He's walking on top of the waves defying gravity. You say, how could he do that? Uh, he's God. He made gravity. If he wants to suspend the law of gravity, he can. And he did. And people are always trying to find naturalistic explanations. Maybe there was a rocky path across the... no. Or people say, the, the Egyptian army, that, that story of the exodus can't be true. Where they crossed, they crossed in only two feet of water. Uh, we found the spot. Okay, well then the greater miracle is how the whole Egyptian army drowned in two feet of water. Yeah. <laughs> and then it says, he intended to pass them by. And there are some scholars who have pointed out that the language probably goes back To the meeting of Moses with God on the Mount on Sinai, when Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. And God said, You can't see my face and live, but I will pass by you and I will show you the back parts of my glory, if you will. You will behold my beauty, but you will not see my face and live. And some scholars have pointed out that when the Lord moved past Moses, he began to proclaim the name of the Lord. This is Exodus 35, 34, 5, 34, 6. It says, the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. That's the Lord. In fact, the Greek language here may be more accurate to say he he desired to come near or alongside them. The Greek word, Uh, can have the idea to pass by, but it can also have the idea of wanting to come near. But this combination of thoughts means that it appears he wanted them to call upon him. You know, sometimes when you're in the midst of the storm, God is nearer than you think, but he does want you to do what? To call upon him. To recognize who he is and say, Lord, I need your help. I'm gonna stop trying to do this on my own. And so they strained. But when they saw him, 49, walking on the sea, they supposed that it was a ghost. And they cried out. Jesus apparently was moving quite rapidly. I don't know if he's breaking any speed records on the sea, but I would imagine so. And remember, this particular body of water is, what, seven, eight miles wide wide. And so he came quickly upon them. They were in the midst of the sea, so they had rowed maybe three to four miles. So he comes like racing along. And they, you know, imagine, put yourself there for a second. You've got the the spray in your face. You're exhausted. You think you're going to die. And all of a sudden, you see this shadowy figure racing toward the boat. And the Greek word here is a phantasma. It's, uh, the, in the Jewish mind, the sea was something unpredictable, dark, maybe even something that Satan controlled. And then you see what you think, maybe like uh, this water ghost, or you know, even they might have been thinking, this is, this is death. Death has come to seal our fate, to drown us, to turn our ship over. In fact, in the early frescoes of the church, Uh, This was such a part of the the idea of the voyage of faith that they called the inner sanctuary that you're sitting in right now, the nave, which connects to the uh, the part of a ship. So this is how life is. And they're freaked out and they said, it's a ghost, we're dead. Look at verse 49. They supposed they'd seen a ghost, they cried out, for they all saw him and were frightened, but immediately he spoke with them and said to them, Take courage. This is emphatic. It is I. Do not be afraid. It is I is egoi me in Greek. I'm gonna read from one commentary. It says, when Jesus perceived the terror of the disciples, he allayed their fears and corrected their delusion with a summons to courage. The emphatic I in verse 50 can be understood as a normal statement. It's me, it's me, Jesus, it is I, but it can also have a deeper significance as the recognized formula of self-revelation which rests ultimately on I am that I am from Exodus 3.14. Not only the immediate context of the walking upon the water, but the words with which the emphatic eye is framed favor a theophany, the admonitions to take heart, to have no fear, which introduce and conclude them I am here is an inter- integral part of the divine formula. In fact, when you read the Old Testament, many times God says, "Don't be afraid. I am with you. Be of good courage. I am with you. I will not forsake you. I will not fail you. Be of good courage." Courage. Read Joshua chapter 1. You'll see it all over that chapter. "Don't be afraid." Two verses for you. Isaiah 41:13 says, "I am the Lord your God, who upholds you." Uphold your right hand, who says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Isaiah 43, one says, but now thus says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And he comes walking on the sea. But everybody turn to the book of Job. Job is just before the Psalms. Everybody know the story of Job? Yeah. Oh, yeah. How many of you have read the book of Job. We tend to read that book when we're going through hard times. So let me see what happened to Job. <laughs> Maybe this will put things into perspective. Job 9, look at verse 8. Some some believe that Jesus walking on the sea is alluded to in Job 9. Look at verse 8. It says, Who alone, and this is Job is talking in, in at the beginning of chapter 9, <clears throat> and he says, Verse eight, who alone stretches out the heavens and what does he do? He tramples down the waves of the sea. And then look at verse 11. Were he to pass by me, I would not see him. Were he to move past me, I would not perceive him. Job says, go back to Mark and we'll finish it. Where are you in my trouble? And Jesus answers the question. I am here Don't be afraid. Do you want to be able to defend your faith, what you believe in, why you believe it? We've tackled subjects like Jehovah's Witnesses, the origins of Christmas. In honor of the 500th year of the Reformation, we did a two-part message on Sola Scriptura. Is the Bible alone sufficient? Is it our highest authority? Scientology, intriguing topics that are available on the Walk in Truth store at walkintruth.com. There'll be more to come, more exciting things to come. Be of good courage. Do you know the difference between Christianity and every other religion of the world? The God of the Bible entered into our pain. He entered into our storm. In fact, he's on his way to a cross. When he's teaching faith lessons, you must remember, he is on his way to die for the sins of these men and the entire world. This is not cliche. He's not just doing this to do it. He's shaping and molding them to carry the message of hope. And he's doing the same in you and me. Are you one of his messengers? Are you telling people about the hope? Look, I don't understand every storm that happens in this world. This is a nutty world. It's crazy. But the one thing that I can give to people about my faith is to tell them there's something better coming. There's a God who can even redeem your circumstances, your immediate circumstances for good. You may not always see it, but that's what God does. And so had they turned around, the wind would have been at their backs, but then what would they have discovered? And So Jesus came near the boat. and when they saw him, 49, walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost, they cried out, and he gives that beautiful encouragement. Take courage. Some of you need to mark this this morning. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid anymore. You know, this was the, perhaps the darkest part of the night, and Jesus came to them as light in the night. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind stopped, and they were greatly astonished. Everybody know whose thoughts are behind the Gospel of Mark? Who's the one that's largely responsible for the Gospel of Mark? It's... Peter. Scholars agree that Mark is kind of penning the thoughts of Peter. And some of you who are got your thinking caps on right now have noticed that there's something missing because a particular incident occurred here that is not mentioned in what we might call Peter's gospel. And here's what happened. Amidst the fear and thinking it was some sort of phantasma, Peter said, "Lord, if it's you, remember, bid me to come to you on the water." And Jesus said, "Come." And Peter put a leg. How many of you would do this? I mean, even if Jesus told you to, would you? We're all we all batter on Peter. Peter man, he sunk. He sunk. If he just kept his eyes on Jesus. Oh, we all know that. But how many of you would have put your leg over? Only one of the 12 did that. And he was walking on water. And he's the only other person besides Jesus in history that I know of that did this. And he was walking. It was quite a moment. Can you imagine being Peter? <laughs> wow. And remember, it's not calm yet. Peter may be the first Jewish surfer in history. I don't know. walking on the waves, walking above the storm, walking above my problems, fixed my eyes on Jesus, yeah. But then Peter began to look around. I think he had a realization like, what, have you ever been there before? What am I doing? You ever done that in ministry before? You've taken a step of faith, maybe you're speaking to a group of people, and there's an inner voice saying to you, what are you doing? You can't be this guy. You're going to drown. So Peter looked around and he began to sink. Lord, save me. Jesus grabs him. Man, I hope there's video footage in heaven of this, don't you? So many stories I want to see. And they got into the boat and Jesus said to him, Oh, you a little faith, why did you doubt? See, do you see what's going on here? This is a faith lesson. What if you're one of the 11 watching this? I was gonna get out too. I was. (laughs) He beat me to it. Yeah. Seems like there's very few people taking steps of faith in our generation, seeing if the Lord might meet them there. So many of us are afraid We let fear dictate so much. Is that because we don't believe? You know, the Israelites were getting ready to cross the Jordan and the priest had the Ark of the Covenant and God said, I will part this river and you will go into my promises but first the priest must step into the Jordan and we're told in Joshua that the Jordan was at flood stage. What that means is that the first step was not just like a lot of us like. Let's see what the water's like. Hmm. Is it 85? If it's 85, I go in. But if it's not, (laughs) it's like, what? So the nation is not gonna experience the glory, the power, the miracle until they step in. And the priests are told, you're gonna do it. What if you're the front guy carrying the ark that day? That's when you say to your buddy in the back, hey, didn't I do the dishes last night? (laughs) The first step is over your head. I like like a step that's up to my ankle. And here's the deal. Unless God parts the river, you're going down. You think he's going to let his ark go down with you? His ark represents his presence. And the miracle occurred. Did Peter intentionally leave this out? Well, the scriptures are breathed by God, so they're the product of the Holy Spirit, Mark 6, 52. We're gonna end with this verse. But you can see Peter's humanity come out. You know, maybe part of him wanted that story to be known, but part of him didn't. Because it was a great act of faith, but then it was a great disappointment. But the beauty is that when God honors Peter, And like so many people in the stories of faith, he doesn't remember our blunders. He remembers who we are. Peter's the preacher in the first 10 chapters of the book of Acts who changes the world. He's walking on top of the storms now. He won't back down even when the religious leaders say, be quiet, he says, no, I'm gonna obey God rather than you. And then verse 52 says, for they, the 12, had not gained any insight, that's a powerful phrase, from the incident of the loaves of the feeding of the 5,000, but their heart was hardened. What was this storm all about? Well, the disciples weren't doing too well. In fact, the Bible says here they, their hearts were hard. Isn't that an amazing statement? That seems to me to show that You can be walking along as a Christian and still have layers of your heart that are kind of stony. And God said to Israel, I will replace your heart of stone with a heart of flesh. I will soften your heart. I will put my spirit within you. But all of us recognize that sometimes this is a problem in us. We get hard to the things of God. We let things pound on us and build up against our faith. The Greek word for hard means to petrify. It means to callous. Baseball players, sometimes when they start spring training, some of them who don't want to wear batting gloves, they, they will develop calluses on their hands. And they'll, they'll take BP, batting practice, and they'll keep hitting the ball until they develop calluses on their hands. And those calluses grow over, and it becomes insensitive to the, the bat and no longer bothers them. And they have to go through pain to do it. But then eventually, those calluses build up, and there's a, there's a hard layer there. And Mark 6, 52 says, that was the disciples' hearts. And I had to ask myself this question this week. Is that mine? Is that yours? See, they hadn't gained any insight. Into what? Into who Jesus was. Everybody turn to Matthew 14 and we're done. The classic uh, gentleman, if we can call him that, who had a hard heart, was Pharaoh, Matthew 14. And he hardened his heart and he would not listen and he hardened his heart. And that's one explanation for a hard heart is you don't want to listen, you don't want to believe. So let's pick up the story, Matthew 14, 32. So right after Jesus says oh you of little faith to peter why did you doubt when they got into the boat the wind stopped i want you to notice what happens now matthew 14:33 and those who were in the boat what did they do they worshiped him and they said for or you are what certainly god's son The first storm, they said, who then is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? And now they say, you are certainly God's son. Later, uh, Peter would confess, you are the Holy One of God. You are God's son. You are the Christ. Where else are we going to go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Did Peter just come to that? No. Peter learned that. How? Through storms. Whitfield says, all trials are sent for two ends, that we may be better acquainted with the Lord Jesus and with our own wicked hearts. Oswald Chambers said, if you're going to be used by God, he will take you through a multitude of experiences that are not meant for you at all. They are meant to make you more useful in his hands, close quote. And all of a sudden, they begin to worship him. And by the way, the whole Bible is filled with this. You don't worship anybody except who? Who? God, Jesus is God. He's worshiped many times in the New Testament. And he doesn't say to the apostles right there, oh, no, 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 boys, get up, don't worship me. The Jehovah's Witnesses would have us believe that Jesus is Michael the archangel. Wrong. He's God. Angels do not receive worship, although a fallen angel wants worship. His name is Satan. But Jesus received the worship, and they said, certainly you are the son of God. And the purpose of the trial or the storm was so that they would get it and realize with certainty that he is who he said he is. Do you believe that? Do I? I've got to be reminded all the time. And sometimes it is when I go through a storm that I see him most plainly. Paul Claudel said, Christ did not come to do away the suffering. He did not come to even fully explain it. But he did come to fill it with his presence. So my dear sister or brother in Christ, those of you who are part of our listening audience that, you know, maybe you're not a Christian yet. Can I just say to you that if you're going through something right now, just reach out to Jesus. Just cry out to him like Peter did and say, Lord, save me. It's that simple. If you're not a Christian right now, Lord, save me. Something like this. Pray it right now. Keep your eyes open if you're driving. I believe that you came on that rescue mission. I believe that you came to save me. I cry out to you. I believe that you died on that cross for me. I believe that you rose from the dead for me and I'm gonna put my trust in you. Be my savior, be my Lord. I repent of my sin and I trust in you. Now, if you're an unbeliever and you've just become a believer, welcome to the family of God. Would you let us know? Use the contact uh, form at walkintruth.com and let us know about your decision. We would love to celebrate with you. If you're a believer and you've been going through the storm, And maybe, you know, you've been trying to analyze the storm from every angle, but in the end, the origin of it doesn't really matter. What God wants to do in you is really what matters and how he's going to use this in your life. And can I just encourage you to hang on and hang in there? He knows and he understands and he will come to your aid. And sometimes it takes longer than we would hope. Sometimes we strain at those oars for... (laughs) way too long from our perspective, but the Lord's doing a shaping work in our life and we come out the other side stronger uh, for the kingdom's sake. So hang in there, my brother, my sister. Hey, this is Walk in Truth Radio. I am Pastor Michael Lance, and I wanna invite you to our website, We have a lot of new, exciting products on there at walkintruth.com. You can click on the store there and check out the different products that are up there. A lot of cool teachings on CD and DVD format. You can give them as gifts. You can build a listening library and you can also help us out with a donation. And we do need your help to help us reach other people with the word of God and the teaching that we do here on Walk in Truth. We'd love for you to partner with us in prayer Tell a friend about what you're hearing. And if you can partner with us, we're looking for Walk in Truth partners. You can find out more on the website about how to partner with us and help us uh, reach out to more people and get the word of God to them. So you can do all of that at walkintruth.com. On behalf of Oscar Santa Cruz and Andy Chapel. this is Pastor Michael Lance. Tune in tomorrow. We'll catch you then. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message in its entirety or if you'd like to visit our church here in Corona, California, visit our website, walkintruth.com.